Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. The following podcast contains explicit language. So, should I press send? Yeah, it sounds good, but how many exclamation points does it have? Uh, There's two. One after embassy and one after well. Should I change the first one to a dot, dot, dot? Yes, ellipses after embassy. Okay. Okay. Done. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how this unprecedented time is helping us take more professional risks. And in our segment about the craft and fame of writing, we'll discuss what makes a good idea good. And this week, we've each got a Hollywood hack to help you relax while you're safer at home. But first, an update. Last week, I talked about my two coping with COVID-19 mantras. And just to remind everybody, my practical one is, if not now, when? And my loftier mantra is closer, stronger, lighter, which is how I hope to come out of this situation. The lighter part, I don't know, but I'm trying <laughs> Um, so Sarah, I challenged you and all of our listeners to come up with your own coping with COVID-19 mantras. Have you come up with one? Yes. And as you know, my word of the year was actually a question. Does this nourish me? So in the spirit of questioning, my mantra is also a question. Um, and it is, does this matter? Hmm. Explain. I think it's in the vein of lower the bar, but Mm -hmm. it's very easy to sort of just feel like the oppressive weight of all the things that I feel like I have to do. Mm -hmm. And just reminding myself that, in fact, not all of them are important. Uh, Like, for example, we one of Violet's assignments, one of her um, STEAM assignments from school was to build a fort in the living room. 
So we built a fort and it was in the living room for weeks. I was just like, uh, it lives there now. And then like sort of around the fort, all of her toys exploded. And my living room became just this like, uh, just insane, massive. It was like Target toy aisles (laughs) just exploded. Yeah. And I was like, it does it matter? Does it matter? It does not matter. And actually, yesterday she cleaned the living room. Wow. She, by herself, straightened the living room for over an hour. Now it looks great. Oh, my gosh. Go Violet. Go Violet. And that is now my mantra, does this matter? Because the answer to most things for that question is no. Okay. I like that. And especially you're on your own as an only parent. I think you really (laughs) have to be easy on yourself during this time. I'm trying. Sarah, a bunch of our listeners gave us their mantras, which, of course, are wonderful. So we wanted to read some of them. Sachi says, the only way out is through. I even made it my cover photo. And that is true. It's the only way out of this is through it. I absolutely love that one. We say that when we're in difficult professional situations yes. often. just You just put your head down and get through it. Um, Aaron said every other day, I'm doing good if I get anything done every other day. It's the best I'm going to do while suffocating. Aaron, I feel you. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Yes. Now, here is the sort of opposite idea. Rochelle says her, her mantra is COVID-19 is not an excuse. She said, I know this goes against what a lot of people are saying, but I have been so distracted and unproductive, it's time to kick myself in the butt. Well, I hear that, but kick kindly. Yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself. Nudge. Yes, nudge, nudge in the butt. And then Rebecca said, if not now, when, really resonates with me. I've decided that once this is all over, if there's anything left on my to-do list that was added before COVID-19, that I'm permanently deleting it and not looking back. This might very well mean we never get a wedding album, though. We've been married 14 years. Uh, That just cracks me up. As someone who could easily have something undone for 14 years, (laughs) I very much related to that. (laughs) I thought this was a good one. Mary said, stay home and save lives. Simple. That really sums it up, doesn't it? And then, yeah, in the similar vein, Jennifer said, stay in to get out. Mm, That's deep. Yeah. Um, Jennifer said, it's not really a mantra, but I suppose I could make it one. Be kind to yourself. This is unprecedented. I'm a single parent trying to work from home full time and help my two kids with their e-learning simultaneously. Oh boy, Jennifer, I'm so sorry. It is hard, understatement. I'm not getting a lot of work done and the house is a mess and I'm definitely not getting to all the decluttering projects that a lot of people are talking about. So I'm lowering the bar and trying to give myself grace. I'm only one person and I'm doing the best I can, but this is hard for me because I like things done a certain way and letting go of that is hard. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, Um, Jennifer. Andrea says, take charge. It is really helpful when I start feeling overwhelmed. I remember my mantra and try to take charge of what I can control. So I thought that was interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Amy said, mine is stay the fuck home. It helps remind me that as complicated as this whole situation is, my job in this pandemic is simple, to stay home as much as possible to keep others and myself healthy. It keeps me grounded in simplicity. And I added the fuck just for a little fun, which, of course, (laughs) we fully approve of. Yes. 
<laughs> um, Jill says, create a silver lining. My word of the year is create. So I think that it's up to me to make the most of the situation. So wow. it's interesting. It's people either like lowering the bar or raising the bar. And I think a lot of it depends on where you are in life, how old your mm -hmm. kids are, whether or not you're working from home. But it, I, I love just sort of these different perspectives. No, it's fascinating because I feel like if um, Violet were grown up and off living on her own, that would, I hope that that would be my mantra. Uh-huh. You know, that that would be what I embrace, creating a silver lining. Um, and then Zoe, who's just given birth to a new baby um, and has a three-year-old. Her motto is, life is tough, darling, but so are you. That That's awesome. Me up. <laughs> and then finally, um, Myra said, does walking around the house swearing under my breath all day count as a mantra? <laughs> of course it does. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are doing that. Wandering, aimlessly, swearing. <laughs> I've never done that at all, except never. for 500 times a day. Okay. Thank you so much for sending in all those wonderful and inspiring and uh, centering and hilarious mantras. Yeah. I think most of them I could adopt and, and embrace. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's riding the dragon. It's back to riding the dragon, I really should say, because we've talked about riding the dragon before. Mm -hmm. It was our yes. development motto for 2019. And the funny thing is, we really didn't end up riding the dragon. No, we talked about it. We tried to do it. I think one of the things about being a team is that we tend to play it safe. You know, financially, we split everything we make, so we only make half a salary. So there is definitely an urge to just only take on the things that provide us a secure, stable income. And that's not always the best thing for a career. Right. And and inherent in riding the dragon is taking chances, readying yourself to plunge, um, <laughs> not knowing where you're going to land. I yes. mean, there's a lot fear of and uncertainty. Yes, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty as well as exhilaration with riding the dragon. And so even though we set that intention, when opportunities came our way that were safer, more like riding a camel, let's say. Um, <laughs> and they were great opportunities, and yeah. I love riding a camel, but we did embrace those rather than riding the dragon. Right. We ended up doing two broadcast pilots, which we've done many times. One of them felt like a lock, honestly, and yeah. we're still shocked that it didn't go and think that it should have. Um, and the other one was more of a flyer, but we really liked it, so it was like, well, we should do this. It was just... We really ended up just landing very much in that middle lane. Yes. We rode the dragon right back to that safe place that we've been before. Exactly. And as you just said, it's not always the right thing to do. Career-wise, big picture-wise, I think many people would say that you sort of make the most strides when you take the biggest risks. Mm -hmm. You also risk crash landing. Yes, because you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and the weird thing is, and it's sort of counterintuitive, but mm -hmm. something about this time where everything is upside down, everything is known, everything is sort of coated with anxiety, 
<laughs> we're feeling more apt to take big risks. Yes. There is definitely a what the fuck feeling about yes. where we are now. Like, if there's ever a time to just throw up our hands and say we're just going to do the crazy things that are super exciting and not kind of land in the safe spot, this feels like that time. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's just because, like, I think everyone, it feels like, is such in such financial peril also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, what do we have to lose? Yes. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess we're sort of rolling over or writing the dragon motto to 2020 because it is yeah. really officially development season. It doesn't yes. feel like it because... It just, nothing feels the way it usually feels, but right. it is technically development season. Yeah, early in development season, but it, it's happening. I yes. mean, bizarrely, development season is happening. So, I don't know, we just find ourselves in this strange dragon riding place. And Sarah, I'm going to just venture to say it's probably the best thing we could possibly do for our careers. I agree, 100%. I think that's part of why we're able really to embrace. able to, yes, to embrace riding the dragon instead of just, like, grasping for those things that we would usually grasp for. We're just like, eh, whatever, we'll yeah. see. The dragon is at least more interesting. Yes. Now, I do have to say, if we get an offer that takes us, you know, off the dragon and, you know, into a, a big comfy bed with a fireplace— um, <laughs> we we might take it. I'm not putting it past us, but I'm hoping that we stay on that dragon. But I think even if we did, we would bring an element of the dragon with us. It's like we would uh, do that if we can also do this. I think you're right. You know? Yeah. Like I'm bring holding on tight to the dragon. Yes. Drag the dragon along with us. That <laughs> yes. That's the motto. Okay. Okay, everybody, we want to know if this time is making you want to take more risks like us or if it's making you want to play it safe, because I also get that completely. Yeah. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we'll talk about what makes a good idea good. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for our craft and fame segment where we talk about the craft of writing. And today we're talking about what makes a good idea. 
Yes. So we are back, Sarah, in the phase, um, which we just mentioned, the phase Mm -hmm. of the process where we have a million ideas coming at us. And of course, we also have our own original ideas, although those admittedly are harder to get traction with. So we are drawn to IP just because that's what's happening in Hollywood. (laughs) But it's really important that we sift through ideas and figure out, is this a good idea? Right. And there are elements. It's not just something you're struck with. There's ways to analyze it. Yes, because some things we spark to them like immediately. And sometimes we think, who thinks this is a good idea? And sometimes we'll read something and really enjoy it as an article or a book. Yeah. But it really isn't a good idea for a TV show. Yes. And then there are all these things in the middle that are that could go either way. And that's where it's hard. Yeah. It's easy if something's good. Like, I remember I read The Selection, which is a pilot we ended up making twice, and people are constantly trying to make it. And just right away, I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. Yes. And we should also say that this is subjective. Yes, of course. To us, these are the elements of a good idea. Other people may feel differently. But for us, one of the first things we think about is clarity. When we read an article or a book and think about what it would be as a TV show, we think, can this be summed up in one or two really great sentences? Like, if you have to keep explaining it and talking about it and what it is or isn't, probably not a good idea. Yes. More and more as our career progresses, we think this is important. Yes. And uh, we have like a, it's almost like our natural sifters are now like at maximum capacity. Yes. Like, you know what I like? We'll read <laughs> totally. something and just be like, shoop, that yeah. just went straight through the colander of ideas. Yep. Um, the other thing is, does it have specificity? So that's like, does it have a specific place? Is it set in a specific world? Even better if it has its own lingo or, or you know, professional jargon. The more specific, the better the idea. Yeah, and we talked about this in episode 142. We did a whole segment on specificity of place. So listen to that. We won't go too deeply into it here. But you just want it to be something where that people haven't necessarily seen before that they can really get engrossed in. I think that's one of the strengths of unorthodox, for example. Oh my gosh, yes. The getting into that, the world of the Hasidic Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn, seeing the wedding. If anyone has hasn't watched Unorthodox, it is, you're right, it's a lesson in specificity. Yes. Um, And then another super important element of a good idea is really great character dynamics. Mm. Yeah, because in the end, that's all anyone cares about. Right. So true. I mean, Succession would be a perfect example of amazing character dynamics right now. Yes. Yes. And this is different than just amazing characters. Like, yes, of course, the characters need to be amazing, but there has to be a setup, a dynamic within the idea that gives those great characters conflict and, and story. Yes. Just yes. a bunch of interesting people sitting in a room. I don't know. I mean, there, there are probably people who could make that really good. But <laughs> you need something that will really pop, that gives those characters fabulous and fascinating dynamics. Well, and it's the reason why we're telling this story now, usually, right. is because of those dynamics. Mm-hmm. 
the other thing, and this for television in particular is incredibly important, which is, does this idea have legs? So this is, does the story and setup have legs? Is it big enough? If not, can you make it big enough? And by this, we mean, can you come up with multiple seasons? Is there a character arc for each of the main characters that you can see playing out over time? I mean, there are so many shows that actually make it to air, which are really just a pilot idea. Right. And and we're thinking, why does anyone think there is a show beyond the pilot? And usually those shows fail um, because they don't have legs. We love an idea when we say, I can think of 100 episodes in 20 minutes of this show. Mm -hmm. Then we know it's a show that's got legs. An idea, I should say, that's got legs. And conversely... A really short article, a six-paragraph article, could have legs for a TV show. Absolutely. The CBS pilot we did this year was based on a less than a one-page article. It was just the merest idea. And yet, immediately, we could say, yes, this could be on the air for 10 years easily. Right. Yeah. That's one reason Um, why people like procedural ideas, because those are ideas where it's easy to see the legs of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Other shows can be harder, and yet they can still have plenty of legs. Yes. Yes. And then relevance. Is the idea important or relevant in some way? Does it have something bigger to say? Does it make sense right now as something that people will want to watch on their TVs in this moment or in the, you know, year to two years to come? Yeah, and I think that's sort of the trickiest one because it's it's sort of the least tangible, I think. Yeah, it's hard to gauge that. Yeah. But we'll read things and go, you know what? This would have been great five years ago. Maybe there's a time for it in the future. This is not for right now. Yeah. Either it's too dark or it's too light or it's just about a topic that has been done too much. Yeah. Sometimes things are just overdone and you're just like, I can't stand one more, you know, (laughs) X show right now. Yeah. Like if there's a huge PI show, you might not want another PI show. And then, Sarah, what we like to do is run our ideas by our personal focus group. And this is something we talked about having a personal focus group in episode 116. Um, Do they get it and are they excited about it? I mean, for sure there are ideas where people who have nothing to do with the entertainment business, you tell them the idea and they go, oh, And then, or sometimes they're like, ah, you know, and um, those people tend to have their finger on the pulse of sort of what people want to see. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, there can be a disconnect between what networks and Hmm. studios are excited about and what people really want to see. And that's just happens. Like you can't sort of control the whole thing. All you can do is pick the best ideas you possibly can and hope they gain traction. And of course, in some ways, none of this matters because terrible ideas get made all the time and good ideas sometimes don't don't go anywhere. Um, But nonetheless, we'd rather work on good ideas than bad ideas. Right, because the good ideas are the ones that you're excited about. Ultimately, that's what makes them like fun and engaging and, and interesting to dive into. So, okay, to sum up, Liz, these are, for us, 
the elements of a good idea. Clarity, specificity, dynamics, legs, and relevance. That's what we look for as we are riding the dragon for (laughs) real this time. Okay, we want to know, how do you know an idea is a good idea? We love to hear from you, and maybe different um, industries have different criteria for what makes a good idea. I'm very curious. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Next up, we each have a hack for you. We'll share the new-to-us apps that are keeping us calm and entertained. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, or I should say hacks, because we are each offering a hack this week. Yes. Um, What is yours? Mine is an app. We both have apps that we are just obsessed with. Um, Mine is called I Love Hue. H-U-E. I found this game, I think it was in like a a newspaper article about calming apps. And I was like, please, (laughs) I need one. It is so delightful. What you do basically is organize colors by hue Mm. um, and make these beautiful rectangles with calming, peaceful colors. And you just move the little squares around till they're as they should be. (laughs) And it's so satisfying and peaceful. It's because I don't find that I'm meditating right now, mm. it's like a little bit of mm-hmm. of that kind of energy in my okay. day. It's wonderful. Um, I love you. That's okay. mine. I love Liz, you. Liz, what is yours? Mine is real mahjong. Now, if anyone listened to last week's episode, or I think in the opener, Sarah, I was um, telling you about this and how excited <laughs> I was about it. Yes. Um, real mahjong is an app where you can play Mahjong. The key to it, what makes it different, is that you actually use the card. To play Mahjong, you have to have a card and in real life. And this app, you can play with the card. And what I love about it is a couple of things. It's really just like playing the game, one. Two, you can either play with the computer or with other people. So for instance, you and I could be on FaceTime, we could play the two of us and then two computer people, or you could play with four real people, whatever. Um, But it's really like playing a game. And I just feel like I've been able to play like dozens of games and actually improve my Mahjong skills, um, which is wonderful. Yes, and since you mentioned this, I have downloaded, I've been playing it. I am obsessed with it, just like you are. (laughs) Um, And we should say a listener recommended it to us uh, like a year or two ago. And it was so far above us at the time. Yes. Like, I don't think we even knew what the cards were or what, you know, for people who don't play Mahjong, you need a card every year. They put out a new one with the hands that you can win with in that year. And it's very complicated. 
and we didn't have cards at the time and we you know we didn't sort of understand anything about the game yeah what's good can i just add is that they have the option for like four years worth of cards so i still have my 2019 card so i'm playing the 2019 but you could play 2018 you could play 2020 you know Yes. And in playing it, I feel like I'm learning so much so that the next time I can get together with a group of real humans in a room around a table, I'll be better at Mahjong. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. We're going to be ready to kill it when we uh, when we finally get back at that table. It is on. (laughs) Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, also known as King of Remote Recording. (laughs) Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fame. We also have a Facebook group and we talk a lot about coping with COVID-19 also in the Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. The oppressive weight of all the things that need to be done. Sorry, my phone is ringing. Just <laughs> recording one, from home. There's a garbage yes. truck outside my window. Oh. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> from the Onward Project.